0: Well, thanks for joining the show, Alex. Really excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a great opportunity for me. Fantastic. Yeah, you're a really interesting kid, man. Not many kids are like you out there. You've <laughs> done some really cool stuff in your uh, short lifespans, to be honest with you. But um, let's take it back to the roots a little bit. I mean, when did you first get interested in sort of entrepreneurship and, and why did you get interested in it?
1: Right. Yeah. So I think it first started off um, back in year seven. So uh I mean I've always had an interest in making money. Uh I would always go into like vending machine changes and I would pick out any change I was left over or like car parking machines, see if there's any change. Um but in year seven I started selling sweets at school. Uh I went to Poundland every day. I bought a bunch of sweets and I just put them in different boxes, sold the boxes for one pound each. And just like that I was making two, three pounds a day. I was super happy with myself. And then, really, from there, I ended up uh, learning about online business and doing what I'm doing today. So, it's just been a growth journey, really.
0: Wow. We actually have that in similarity. When I was a kid, I used to buy wholesale sweets, take them to school, and sell them as well, <laughs> um, just because my parents never gave me any pocket money. So, I was like, man, I got to figure it out somehow. And yeah, yeah, that was my avenue to do that. Is that kind of what made you want to do as well? Yeah, or? basically.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I always had something yeah, inside of me saying I want to do something big. Um uh, started with sweets and yeah.
0: Oh, and it's been a long journey since then, man. You've yeah, done some exactly. amazing things. Yeah. Um, prior to that, I mean, t- let's talk a bit about your upbringing. I mean, how did your parents sort of influence you or did they not influence you at all in terms of helping you to go on this path that you've been on?
1: Yeah. So I would say for the first 10 years of my life, um, it's all been focused on education, getting into a good secondary school and focusing on yeah education, really. Uh, but since then, uh, loads of stuff have changed. My parents kind of changed their philosophy, sort of, and it's been more focused on making it in business or doing something, uh, following your purpose, finding what your purpose is and doing what you love. So I think since then, I've really uh, been more free because back then it used to be under loads of pressure. I, I wasn't actually doing, like, I got into a grammar school, which is considered a good school, but I didn't actually like doing that work. But ever since, uh, well, they changed their philosophy. It's been more free, easygoing for me.
0: Interesting. What made them change their philosophy? Was it you that pushed so hard for something or was it them that kind of just changed naturally on their own?
1: Uh, No, my dad was dead broke. (laughs) So he (laughs) he had to change really. Um, Yeah, he was was broke. So something had to change for us to get out of that. And uh, yeah, we just went from there.
0: Yeah, man. Necessity will make you do all sorts of things, right? When yeah, you exactly. realize I got to do something different. Um, yeah. But that's so interesting. Are your parents uh, immigrants out of curiosity, or were they like born and raised in? in oh no, they the UK? came from
1: India. Okay. Um, Two thousand, I think.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you think there's a difference between being a sort of um, immigrant or having a sort of um, uh, international? context when it comes to being an entrepreneur versus someone that's locally born and has gone through the sort of ranks here? Or do you think there's no, no difference at all?
1: Yeah. I think there is, um, something like that because people from, let's say someone from a less privileged background came here, they see so much opportunity. Like, uh, I know the stories of people who come to the U S saying U S is the land of, um, uh, like it's a dream land. Right. And they make, make it really big because they find opportunities over there. It's the same people who might have been raised here don't actually see the opportunities other people can see. So yeah, there might be an element of that involved, I would say.
0: Yeah, no, that's so interesting. Do, do you think the, uh, the environment that you were in in school was conducive or, or fostering that, you know, make or break. Let's try something new. Let's do entrepreneurship and all that kind of stuff, or is it completely restrictive in terms of all books and all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, I would say it's very restrictive. Um, in school, it's just more focused on you doing loads of different things and not trying anything new, just working with everyone, doing what everyone else is doing. Uh, but something my dad told me, which he learned from someone, is if you do what everyone else does, you get whenever, what everyone else gets. And what do they have? Well, not much. So you don't want to do what everyone else does. And that's a philosophy I'm keeping.
0: Wow, your dad's a wise guy, huh? Gave you some nuggets of wisdom right there. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that transition. So you're like, okay, I got to start, you know, a business of my own or entrepreneurship. What were the first things that you started to do? How did you even get started? Where do you even go? Where do you find information? How, how did you even go about it?
1: Yeah. So, um, like I said, I started with sweets. Uh, from there, I just, came across a few videos on YouTube talking about, well, I searched up how to make money online. I saw loads of different stuff, like becoming a freelancer, all this kind of stuff. But the business of dropshipping came across to me as something very appealing. And um, a couple summers ago when Pokemon Go came out, I actually started selling uh, Pokemon toys on Amazon. And what I was actually doing was I was finding them on eBay for a lower price and just selling them on Amazon. So I was technically doing dropshipping back then, though. I didn't really realize it. And then from there, it's just been a journey forward.
0: Oh, fantastic. And so tutorials, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. How would you go about sourcing and knowing what the differential is between the price of something versus how much you can sell it for on Amazon? Is it literally just research? Did you have like spreadsheets of like, I'm going to do this? Like, how, how did you go about that? Yeah, there's
1: loads of uh, work involved. Um, you have to go for loads of training. You have to actually do it to know well, what's the most effective strategy or how it works. Because too often people watch something, but they don't actually try it out. So I think uh, actually getting started, seeing what's the best way to do things—that's uh, what will take you, really.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. Dropshipping—I don't—I don't really know much about that. So it's a world that you, you keep seeing those YouTube ads and stuff like that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you can you know do dropshipping, and you know it almost seems sometimes a bit spammy, you know, that, yeah, in that regard. Yeah. What, what do you have to say about that? Is that how you kind of got hooked? You saw an ad, and then you kind of got into the world,
1: or um, I mean, I probably saw a bunch of ads that they just you know, cause it kept on coming across to me, it got started. Um, but yeah, it might look like that, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a huge, huge business model and loads of people are making, uh, taking advantage of it. So yeah.
0: Alex, let's go into the details of dropshipping. So what is it that you actually do within that process and what is dropshipping?
1: Right. So dropshipping is essentially the process of uh, you selling a product that you never actually touch. And essentially you build a website where you list this product. You mark it up at a higher price and essentially when someone comes to your website and places an order for the product, you ship it directly from your supplier, who might be from China or the US, directly to the customer. So you're kind of like a middleman. You're taking the profit between whatever the price they're paying and the price you pay and it's a a very simple business model that doesn't require much upfront capital because you don't pay for products until someone orders them. So it's a... A big difference to normal businesses where you have to buy loads of stock up front and you have to sell what you have available. Whereas with dropshipping, you can just find any supplier that cheaper products and you can mark that up and sell it on your website.
0: So you never actually get involved with the product per se. You're kind of a little bit hands off. You just operate the process between the two sides,
1: the supply and demand. Is that correct? Exactly. That's right. And the main thing with dropshipping is actually the marketing. So how do you get the customer to go to your website and buy something? So if you're a good marketer, then this business model is super easy for you. All you need to do is drive the traffic, get the sales and uh, really it's just work between your supplier and customer from there.
0: What is uh, the best product that you've sold so far best in terms of you know margins and
1: things like yeah. that? And what's the worst? Uh, so beauty products are really uh, evergreen, especially if you find something that the vast majority of people like. So teeth whitening is super big. Uh, there are many hundred million dollar brands being built in teeth whitening today. So that's a super huge space. Facial care is another big one. Uh, those are some of the products I've also sold really well for me. And what's done really badly for you? Uh, well, there's a lot of products that do really badly. <laughs> uh, you can pretty much tell on the first day if they're not generating you sales after you set up a campaign that you know maybe this doesn't have potential. Uh, I think every product does have potential. You just need to know how to market it properly. Mm. Um, So I guess I can't really say something doesn't work, Mm. but there are definitely uh, some favorites, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds good. And how would you get people to come to your particular site as opposed to Amazon or the common places I can find something?
1: Right, so um, there's loads of different ways of marketing products. Some people use Google, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I personally use Instagram quite a lot because it's uh, fairly effective. And essentially why people go for you over Amazon is because they buy based off impulse or emotion. So you can catch someone in a moment and tell them like why your website is the best place to buy from. Then they won't think about going to Amazon. They will just buy directly from your site. So that's a great thing about the business as well.
0: I see. And in terms of the quality control, because if you're sourcing things at the cheapest price, you can find them and then you send them to a customer and they don't really like the product or the quality isn't good. At the end of the day, that's a bit of a stain or should I say on you and you also might suffer in terms of returns and all that kind of stuff. Do you have to manage out that quality versus, um, I guess, supply uh, organization or or discussion?
1: Yeah. So when you're starting out, uh, you would just obviously pick the best suppliers. As you start getting bigger, uh, I mean, best suppliers, as in the people with the best ratings and reviews, uh, as you start getting a bit bigger, you can hire an agent who actually manages all this for you and they only source from the highest quality people, which is what I'm doing at the moment. So uh, yeah, having something, a system in place for getting the best products at the lowest prices is definitely very valuable.
0: Were there any tools that you use along the way? What, what, what's some of the infrastructure you needed to get started in this? Right.
1: So uh, essentially what you need to do first is build a website. Um, you can use a platform called shopify.com, which is what most people use. And it's very user friendly. It's just drag and drop, uh, website editing. So you can quickly build a website. It might take an hour or two if you were really fast at it. And within the first day, really, you can start getting sales. All you need to do is, uh, get an app. There's a few out there. One's called Oberlo and helps you identify winning products. So products that are really hot at the moment. You can simply just import them into your store with a few clicks, you can get the site live and then you just start running marketing campaigns. And just like that, you can start making some money with it.
0: Fantastic. And in terms of the reviews and things like that, what else is involved apart from the actual mechanics of supply and demand? Is there the creative design of your brand or your site or even taking product photos because you want a similar look and feel along the way, all those types of things. Is that yeah. involved as well?
1: So um, I would say the really basic beginners don't have to do any of that. I never personally did any of that to start getting results. Uh, but the bigger you grow, that is something you want to consider doing so you can differentiate, make your brand more unique. So uh, that is definitely a part of it as well, but it's fairly easy to start up. You don't need to worry about doing anything else other than building a site and running ads.
0: You know, a big part of actually finding things online is the algorithm by which things show up in in the results, right? So on Google, there's something that determines what should show up first versus second on Amazon and all those types of things. How do you ensure that what you're trying to surface shows up higher than other things or other uh, businesses that are competing with the same uh, product?
1: Right. So, I mean, Google is just one method of advertising. Uh, people who do specialize in Google, they will like do different techniques and strategies to get right up there on the front page. Uh, most people do use Facebook and Instagram. So that's when you actually show the product to someone on their feed and hook their attention immediately. So uh, that's uh, that's probably a better way to do it, actually, if you're just starting out.
0: Man, grabbing attention is not easy. It's easier said than done. Yeah. How do you grab people's attention? Do you have to do some crazy wild marketing campaign or do something crazy? Like, how do you, how do you do
1: that? Yeah, it is uh, definitely a learning curve, learning how to catch people's attention run effective campaigns. Uh, but essentially, if you have a very good video ad, uh, which you can get from one of these websites, someone can do it for you, uh, like fiverr.com, Um uh, have a good video ad that uh, hooks people in, uh, then you can start grabbing some conversions fairly fast.
0: Yeah, it's really important. In fact, I in my current role, um I understand that, you know, people need to be hooked within the first 3 seconds. Without that, then they yeah, start to, you right. know, drop off and it's not really interesting for them. So you got to really have some crazy type of hook. Exactly. How did you learn that or what kind of hooks do you use to get people's attention?
1: Yeah, so initially when I was marketing, I used really crazy thumbnails, uh which Okay, like what? Um just just really random pictures. So if, uh, one of my first winning products was teeth whitening. I would just have a random person, someone's teeth up close. And it looked kind of weird, but people would click on it because it just caught their attention. So anything that catches attention and makes people hooked in, uh, then yeah, that's, that's what works. Fantastic. And then you just kept iterating from that point on? Yeah, there is a, obviously as time goes by, you have to slightly adapt and change. Um, but if you were just starting out, uh, you just need to play with a few things, see what works best and just go really hard on it fantastic that
0: sounds great yeah no that's interesting and then along this way so let's say all right I I find this product here I want to sell it on Amazon you start to figure out the logistics and setting up your website and all that kind of stuff Um, what what did you uh, fail at initially or earlier on uh, in your you know career or career in starting off this this venture what were some of the things that you you failed at
1: Right. So I actually, uh, before dropshipping, I had yeah. my own website where okay. I was selling books. Mm. So, uh, John Maxwell leadership related books, all that kind of stuff. And I did it with pure HTML. Like I learned all the coding and stuff. I did it for about two years, but the only issue was I didn't get any sales whatsoever. Okay. And that's because I had no idea how to market my products or market my ideas. Uh, So really, yeah, marketing was a huge thing. It's still a huge thing for loads of people who just start out. They Mm. don't know how to actually get their sales. Mm. Because all the technical stuff is fairly easy to do. But marketing is the main thing, I would say. So, But once you learn that, uh, then, yeah, it's uphill from there, really.
0: Okay. Now, that sounds interesting. Marketing, yeah, it is there's no point in building a great foundation of something if you can't tell people about your story so how did you go about telling your story how did you go about letting people know that you are available to do these certain things i mean well how did you go about that
1: right so i mean it was a lot of trial and error at the beginning i remember one of the first things i did was i went to fiverr.com and i searched up uh traffic to my website And I bought 50,000 visitors from some, some bot. You bought visitors? What does that mean? Uh, Well, I thought I was going to get sales. (laughs) You know, 50,000 visitors sounded good, but it was just a bunch of bots coming to my site. Mm. Didn't do much. Uh, so really it's just a lot of trial and error, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, eventually learning how to run Instagram ads, influencers, all that type of stuff. But yeah, it was a lot of learning, I would say.
0: Did you have a lot of support like with your mates? I mean, you're relatively young at this time. I don't know how old were you when you started this? I was 13. 13. Were all of your friends in the same kind of vibe as you, or were you the only one that was doing this and no one else was like, everyone's was like, hey, that guy's doing some weird dropshipping thing. You know what I mean? How yeah. was
1: it? Yeah. I, was, uh, I mean, I didn't speak about it much to my friends, but whenever I did mention it, I was, yeah, they thought I was weird. Yeah, uh, yeah, just all sorts of stuff. Yeah.
0: Is is that why you didn't speak about it with them much? Because you you get like some sort of
1: chastisement or like I don't know, bullied or anything like that. Oh no, nobody? it was nothing like that. I didn't mm. mind mentioning it, but I didn't like force force it onto anyone. Mm. Like if they ask, here's what I'm do- like, here's what I'm doing. So. Oh man, that's that's interesting.
0: So, all right, so you, you tr- try to figure out how do you, how are you going to market this? When did you actually start to see a bit of sort of traction? Like as you were getting on, going on this journey, was it like, "Oh man, I got these 50,000 visitors." That's just vanity, you know, vanity yeah. metric. It's not yeah. really traction, ensuring showing that you have a business. Yeah, yeah. How did you actually go about building that traction and going from sort of that vanity 50,000 visitors to actually a business where, you know, you're making profit and all that kind of right. stuff?
1: So I remember seeing a video in 2017, November time, mm. and it was this guy who said, uh, within the first three months of dropshipping, I made X amount of money. And I was like, if he did it in three months, I can do it in three months. And so I convinced myself that, Hey, in the next three months, if he can do it, then I can do it as well. Mm. And then I, I think it's something to do with my mind. At that point I was set on, like, I'm going to make this work. And before then uh, I used a platform called Shopify to m- build my websites what I would do is because they have a 14 day free trial, as soon as the trial finishes, I close my store because I don't want to pay, of course. <laughs> um, but what I did for the first time after I watched a video was actually pay for my store. Like I went past the 14 days and then I was like, I'm in it. Like I'm going to make this work. And then, uh, from there, I just tried playing with some Instagram influencers and that really started taking off and I just scaled, kept on going from there, really.
0: Yeah, social media has been a great tool, I mean, to get your message out there and actually to get people in towards your business. Yep, definitely. Uh, Would you consider yourself like an influencer? Did you grow a large audience and that kind of helped you or not really?
1: Um, Personally, I don't have a very large (laughs) audience, maybe 2,000 subscribers. Um, But utilizing other people's audiences uh, has been very good, especially because loads of people don't know how much their audience is worth. So if you can get yeah, get a good deal from these influencers, then you can definitely see huge spikes in uh, sales.
0: Interesting. How much your audience is worth? I've never really thought about it like that. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of the sort of eyeballs or vanity metrics—50,000 people just looking at what, it, what I'm doing versus exactly. actual paying customers. Exactly. Exactly. How did you figure out what someone's audience is worth, and how do you quantify the value of your potential lifetime value of an audience or? the people that come to your website and all that kind of stuff. Do you, yep. do you actually calculate that or do you just estimate it?
1: Yep. So, so, so um, I mean, this is still something I'm still learning at yeah. the moment, um, but really there's loads of factors that come into place. So you have to think about, uh, what's the audience's age, what's their gender, um, what are their potential interests and is the product aligned with their interest. So, uh, there's loads of things, factors that come in play, but once you understand how much your audience is worth, you know, based on some numbers that you gather then uh, you can really go crazy with it. You can scale really big.
0: And and how did you determine where to spend your money and what, what not to spend your money on? Because, I mean, I personally have spent money on things that didn't work out, you know, yeah, and then other yeah. things I'm like, okay, this might be a long-term thing versus a short-term thing. You know, there's, there's sort of that you gotta try and fail at some some things, right? I'm gonna hire this famous influencer to market this yeah. campaign, you know? And then yeah. you figure out, man, this is just a waste of time, right? Yeah. Um, how did you figure out where to sort of invest your money? And even secondarily to that, where did you get the capital to even get started? I mean, you're
1: a kid when you started this
0: <laughs> off, where did you you know, get the, the scraps from, I don't know, selling sweets or whatever it is?
1: Yeah. So um, first of all, this is something that still happens to me. So I lose a lot of money, um, but I also make a lot of money. So it's a continuous learning process. Um, You know, sometimes I've paid influencers tens of thousands, and like to see no return whatsoever. So it's just a matter of keep on doing new things, experimenting new things. And once you find something that works, you go really hard on it. Mm. So it's a continuous learning process, um, but it's worth it. Nice. And and then where did you actually get the capital to get started? (laughs) Yeah. So um, actually where it first started was I found a one pound coin in a car parking machine. And the next day I went to school and I bought a pack of It's It was a seven packs and I sold them for 30 P mm. so the next day I had two pounds. I did this for a couple of days. Then, like I said, I went to Poundland every day, started buying sweets, selling those and over the course of about two years so to the year, end of year eight, I had about 200 pounds saved up. And, uh, I was also making a little bit of money from YouTube as well. Um, I had my own channel and I had adsense going on, so I just used that to get into drop and I just grew it from there really.
0: Okay. And did you have to leave school completely to do this? Or did you balance the two out? How did you kind of, you know,
1: meander <laughs> that? Yeah. So now I've left school, uh, which <laughs> is great for me. Um, I'm actually getting a apprenticeship at a marketing agency okay. nearby. So that's going to be a good opportunity for me. Um, but when I was at school, um, I would say it's, it was a challenge because, um, you know, every day you're being taught stuff that doesn't really apply to me or doesn't apply in general. You can't apply it in general. (laughs) Um, and I'm always thinking like about my businesses, about my ads, how can I do this better? How can I work on this? So it was a challenge, but, um, yeah, it's something that I think, I think we need to change because, you know, more people like me, uh, for more people to like me to come up, then we need to do something different with the education system and the way people are taught and what they're taught. So I, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a big area for that needs change.
0: Yeah. Well, you didn't find Pythagoras' theorem useful than what you were doing then? <laughs> no.
1: No. <laughs> what
0: was the most useful thing you you think you learned from school?
1: Um it's a good question, actually. <laughs> uh I never really think about that. i never asked myself that question. Wow, it was that
0: bad. Huh? I didn't learn anything from school. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I mean if you ask me what I
1: learned over the past couple of years in any subject, I can't I can't tell you much because hmm. my mind is constantly thinking about business. How can I Grow this brand, how can I scale my stores? So yeah, I can't tell you much.
0: Yeah, so walk me through that um, experience you had with with Forbes, right? So they spotlighted you um, in some capacity. And I mean, how did that process go? How did you actually start to engage with the press and get your message out there and, and what did that do for your I don't say brand per se but um for for you overall as, as a young entrepreneur coming up and actually getting that opportunity.
1: Right. So this was actually thanks to Julian uh who you had on the podcast last week. Uh so he had a good few connections that got me onto Forbes. So shout out to him I guess. <laughs> um but really it helped uh put some confidence behind my back. Mm. Like every time I feel a bit down I can go like hey Forbes was backing me up last <laughs> year like you know, I can, I can do this. So I think it was good for my confidence. Uh, put a bit of pressure on me as well. Like I expected to perform you know, that people know about me. Um, but the good type of pressure, a healthy pressure. So yeah, it was beneficial for me, I would say.
0: Yeah, man, that pressure to deal with as a young kid, it can be a lot, you know, um, And <laughs> yeah. that can, I don't say like mental health or, you know, all those types of things, but this pressure to perform either academically or I don't know, some kids have to become the, the man of the house at a young age and all those types of things. Uh How did you sort of deal with, with pressure, whether it was the media, whether it was at home and all those types of things? Were you always naturally good under pressure or how would you advise others to be able to handle pressure as well?
1: Yeah, I would say I was naturally good under pressure. It wasn't anything I specifically did. Um, yeah, I always, I always keep cool. I think things through, how can I, how can I work on this or how can I get better? So it's a constant, uh, when you're constantly doing something, you're working on something, you just figure things out, like how you can go to the next level. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what I do.
0: So speaking about the next level, actually, how do you what are those next levels for you? What what does a mission statement for you look like? In other words, if when you're 30, 40, whatever age it is, where do you hope to be and how do you continue to guide yourself along that mission to stay true to that? Or does it change?
1: Right. So um, my overall goals, uh, my main passion is really revolutionizing the education system. That's something that's really, uh, it really strikes me because there's loads of people who are being told to not do what they love and just pick the best paying job really. And that's, uh, that's driving them like into a really bad path down in life, but they don't see it. So reaching people at a younger age, teaching them different, um, especially in schools because they have like the biggest influence over young people. Mm. That's something that's on my, my heart. Um, but yeah, I want to build billion dollar brands, um. Why not? Uh, yeah. yeah, I have big goals ahead. So, uh, I want to buy Chelsea Football Club. <laughs> there we go, man. I yeah. think you should
0: buy a better football club.
1: But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, loads of loads of big goals like that. Nice.
0: And you know, you got to have a lot of confidence in order to even have goals like that, right? You know, yeah. you want to make people uncomfortable with the goals that you have. Um, when it comes to that confidence, where did you get that from? Was it your family? Was it something that happened? I mean, you mentioned Forbes and all those types of things, but getting that confidence to even try new things, to put yourself out there, to have audacious goals, where did that come from per se? And how do you get other people your age bracket to have that much confidence to try and do this?
1: Right, Um, I'll tell you loads of factors came in play. Hmm. Uh, My dad being a big one, so he always tells me, uh, just do the opposite of what I did and you'll make it. (laughs) So um, yeah, he always encouraged me to try new things and uh, just, yeah, doing loads of new things, experimenting. I just become confident. I feel okay uh, doing, getting uncomfortable, I would say. So, uh, that's, uh, that's a big thing.
0: Yeah. Now, I, when I think about my personal story, I, I'd say my confidence came from my parents a lot as well, you know, telling you, you can do things. It's not out of your, re- your reach. And also, I think being honest at certain points in time, you know, when saying, you know what, this is not your, your strength or your skill set. And this is what you are actually good at and helping to analyze. Um, what you're good at, what you're not good at, so that you can focus on your strengths and if you need to improve some of your weaknesses. Did you ever do that um, sort of exercise to figure out what you're good at, what you're not good at, and how did you go about that process?
1: Yeah, I did do a few personality tests like that. Hmm. Um, I kind of already understood myself and how I work, um, what what I'd like to do, really, so it didn't add too much uh, value to me. Uh, But I think for loads of people, they'll find that very valuable because they can really see uh, what they'd like to do, what kind of person they are, and then base what they want to do in the future off of that. So that's a very, yeah, very impactful thing, I would say.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people in your age bracket, they're still trying to figure themselves out, right? That's yeah. a big part of it. In fact, I don't think you really ever figure yourself out completely. But that's a, it's a journey or path that you have to go on. Um, and some people figure it out earlier. Some people don't find value in these sort of personality tests and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But would you say people... Um, in your age bracket or your time of life, uh, is that something they're struggling with, figuring out who they are, what they're good at, and what they aren't? Or would you say for the most part, it's relatively easy?
1: I would say the only reason that people don't know what they like to do Mm. or what their purpose is, Mm. is because they're not told to find out what it is. Mm. See, in school, we're told to like work on loads of different things, you know, different subjects. And even when it comes to GCSEs, for example, they tell us to pick a few things, but we have to pick ten different things. So it's not really <laughs> narrowing much down. Yeah, um, we should be told at a younger age to find out what we love to do mm. and just focus on developing skills in those areas. And I think that's the reason why people think they don't know what they like to do. Mm. It's because they kind of like hold their hands over their eyes and saying it's dark when you know you have to move your hands and you can actually see what you like to do. So. Yeah, it is a, it is a big thing, but I think that can be easily fixed if we're told to find out what we love to do.
0: Yeah. It's important to do what you love to do, man, Uh, because life's too short. You know, you actually have to invest the time in things that you want to because at the end of the day, I think you can have a lot of satisfaction in what you've done because mm. you've done things that you think are worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good way to spend your life as opposed to, you know, getting old and having regret and all those types of things. Mm. I mean, you're still relatively young, so you might not have that many regrets or do you actually? Is there anything that you regret doing so far? Nothing that
1: I regret. Maybe that I started younger <laughs> if I found out younger, but mm. no, everything I've done so far has... Uh, me to where I am today. And I'm fairly happy with that. Yeah, But yeah, obviously yeah, there are a few things. But
0: yeah. I'm a bit curious as to why you think you should go into a marketing agency at this point in time, as opposed to continuing on this path that you're on. Because, you know, a marketing agencies i don't say a regular nine-to-five job, but at the same time, you also could learn from these people, which you could apply in your exactly. own job. Is that yeah. the whole goal? Is that? Yeah,
1: that's my goal. Uh, developing my skills, I want to be the best marketer in the world, so mm-hmm. I have to develop those skills. So the agency was a, a good uh, way for me to do. That, I would say.
0: I see. I see. And how did you go about selecting where you'd want to, you know, work and and. Where you'd like to spend your time and who you'd like to learn from because a big part of being an entrepreneur being successful is working with some of the best people so you can learn from them right as much as you can was that a difficult process to go through or not really
1: uh, yeah it took it took a while but i just cold emailed like tens of <laughs> dozens of com- uh, companies at the best ones over here and uh, yeah i picked the one i felt like i could grow the most under mm.
0: Yeah, cold, cold calling, sending emails, all that kind of stuff. It's not easy, man. you got to burn the midnight oil. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's really intense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, thanks for joining on the show. If people want to find out more about you, where can they go to hear more about Alex and what you're working, up, uh, working on over the next couple of months?
1: Yep. So I actually have a YouTube channel mm. called Alex Philip, just my name, and I post dropshipping-related content, a business, uh, the stuff I do. So that's a great place to find me, and uh, yeah, I provide loads of value to my audience. I'm sure if you guys are interested in entrepreneurship, then you can find something out there. Fantastic. Thanks for your time, Alex. Awesome. Thanks for having me Saka.